1: Welcome to the MarTech Podcast. Today we're gonna discuss why diversity in the workplace matters for marketers. Joining us is Julie Kratz, who is an inclusive leadership trainer at Next Pivot Point. Julie Kratz is an acclaimed leadership trainer, speaker, executive coach, author, and the founder of Next Pivot Point. And she's passionate about promoting gender equality within the workplace, empowering women to express confidence, and helping them build a winning career game plan and pivot to the next level. And today, Julie and I are going to discuss how marketers can be allies for diversity and inclusion. Okay, here's my conversation with Julie Kratz, inclusive leadership trainer at Next Pivot Point. Julie, welcome to the Martech podcast.
2: Thanks for having me.
1: Excited to talk about how boys, girls, black, white, brown, yellow, green, purple, we can all play in the (laughs) same sandbox together. We started off before we pressed the record button talking about some of our favorite movies and about how gender equality is kind of fluid and changing. You know, Ace Ventura, for example, feels a little dated. My son was watching Spider Woman, a 70s cartoon, which was totally misogynistic. Sometimes old habits die hard. Talk to me a little bit about the state of inclusion, gender inclusion, minority inclusion. You know, where are we today and what are some of the big pain points?
2: We like to think things are better than they were in the 70s, like Spider-Woman, right? Yes, and we still have a lot of opportunity to improve. And the data shows that here in 2020, organizations are still very, very white male dominated, over you know, 93% of CEOs are male, and we only have right now at any given point, five to 10 African American CEOs. And so we have a lot of work to do on diversity, and we're not quite there yet. And when you look at something like gender, that's really central to the human experience. I mean, 50%, 51% of us actually identify as women in the world today. And we don't see ourselves represented always in the best light, like you said, in the media, in politics, in corporate America. So my life's work is really dedicated to help amplify those voices and more importantly, get men like yourself involved as allies. So I I really believe that we can all help each other when we're a part of this conversation.
1: So let's talk a little bit about that. I'm turning 40 in September. I'm white. I'm male and oftentimes it feels like the world is pointing the finger at me, even though I believe in diversity and I believe in equality and look, I'm running a company. I'm not a fortune 500 CEO. I run the organization. I can't do anything about being male and white. And honestly, it sometimes makes guys like me a little defensive. So talk to me about what white males in positions of power can do to help promote diversity and inclusion without changing the hiring practices and not finding the best possible talent for the role. It seems like sometimes those things can be at odd, said the white man. (laughs) Walk me through before I put my foot in my mouth. How we should think about finding the right people while also keeping it diverse and inclusive.
2: I'll try not to woman explain this to you. Woman explain
1: away. <laughs> I can probably use it.
2: There is a real fear and sentiment right now, especially with racial conversations getting really heated. I've found in my work in diversity and inclusion over the last six years that there's a withdrawal of the white male from the conversation around diversity and inclusion. You bring up diversity and inclusion, and you usually find a room full of women and people of color, that we don't really need those
1: voices contributing to the conversation. Can I mansplain how I feel about this? (laughs) Please. Well, sometimes, not all the time, obviously, I'll pick my words very carefully, it can be used as a weapon. You're doing something wrong because you're the white male And if your company didn't hire me, it's because you were being racist or sexist. And it's hard to engage in those conversations without having the finger pointed at you.
2: Yeah, no. And historically, I agree with you. I think from feminism, there's a reason why there was a backlash that men didn't feel included in those conversations. We're seeing that with race right now with white people not knowing how to get into those conversations. So diversity and inclusion cannot be done by excluding the majority group. There's a reason inclusion is a part of it. And we need white men, those with privilege, those with power, those with the access to wealth and resources to be a part of the conversation. So while historically, I think that's been the narrative, I'm finding that to be changing to more of a welcoming place of please join us for this. And here's how you can be an ally. So I think to better answer your question, to overcome that fear for white men listening, don't stop listening. There is some easy things that you can do.
1: If nothing else, fellas, you can hear me squirm a little bit.
2: (laughs) I think the first thing is really listen to learn. And hopefully we'll give you some good ideas in this podcast. But I'd also say, listen to people that are different than you. What you find is the experience for people that with different gender identities, racial identities, just different dimensions of diversity, the richness of the human experience you learn. You know, there's a reason why when you travel likely and meet people different than yourself, you come back kind of a better version of you, right? The more you understand about your own humanity. So there's really something to gain by being around people different than yourself. And remind yourself, if your network is pretty male and pale, like a lot of people's networks, we surround ourselves by people like us. I know I, for one, when I took an inventory of my network recently, just a few years ago, it was white women business owners that were mothers. Hmm, that's a lot like me. If that's the case for you, I promise you can do better by being intentional about diversifying who you spend time with. It's natural to gravitate towards people like you, but you don't learn from people just like you, right? You just hear your own voice reinforced, your own political beliefs, religious beliefs, whatever your beliefs are, probably not learning anything new. So you will learn something new by diversifying who you spend time with. And then last, I think just really getting at the meat of it for those in corporate America, knowing your audience as marketers, there's real business results associated with this. So if you care about this and you're in the majority group, white, male, pale, whatever you associate.
1: Male and pale was good marketing there. I appreciated
2: it. <laughs> I had a client, a white male recently say stale, uh, white and pale. And I said, you said it, not me. Ouch. This is really not helpful to point the finger at the majority group. It simply is that the systems have been created along the way from centuries ago. They can't be undone easily to support a certain type of demographic. And we can see this of evidence.
1: That's one of the things that I feel strongly about. You know, there's the stats of the 93% of CEOs are white male. And I don't necessarily believe it is because they are white and they are male. It is because of the infrastructure that those people have had have given them role models, education, templates to follow, and resources that help them get to where they are. And in some of the other communities, which are predominantly minorities, they don't have that infrastructure that's set up. See, Julie, these are the most awkward episodes for me to do because I always feel like I'm going to offend everyone, that's the problem with this conversation is I am scared to talk about this. And I want to say that the Black and the Latino communities generally are in socio-economically depressed part of the countries. There is less money there. There is less education. There is less resources, which means in 15 years, those communities are less likely to have lots of people that have gone to the CEO ranks and then hired people like themselves. Time for a one-minute break to hear from our presenting sponsor, Mutinex. Ready to take your team from I think to I know? Then join brands like Samsung, ING, and Asahi who make better marketing decisions with Mutinex. Mutinex Growth OX, the marketing mixed modeling platform that makes measuring ROI fast, easy, and cost-effective. Request a demo at mutinex.co. That's M-U-T-I-N-E-X.co. How do I say this without pissing everyone off?
2: No, it's systemic. It's systemic racism. It's systemic issues. And I think what you're dovetailing into here, and for listeners to understand, you didn't create the system. None of us did. We inherited it, but we are playing a role in it. And this is where being an ally has to show up today. It's one thing to acknowledge these are the facts. These are the systems. It's a whole other thing to say this isn't okay, right? And that's actually something really important that you can do to say is this isn't okay, I want us to do better. And so I'm going to be more conscious about how I vote, how I make decisions about how I distribute wealth, how I make decisions, where I spend my time, who I invite into my family's house, for example. So there's everyday, small, subtle, intentional actions that people can take to make a difference in that system. Because we're all benefiting from the system in different ways, some more so than others. And the last thing I'd say is that, you know, the P word gets thrown around a lot. And this probably make you squirm, too. (laughs) Privilege. No one wants to admit they have privilege. And it's not saying you didn't work hard to get
1: to where you're at. That's the biggest problem. Sorry to interrupt you. Like, yeah, I am incredibly privileged. Oh, my God. Grew up with everything I could possibly ask for. Hey, everybody, white privilege male over here. It doesn't mean that I didn't work hard and work harder than other people to get to where I was. I was given lots of opportunity and I worked my butt off. There are people that are significantly more successful than me. They had less privilege. There are people that are not as successful as I am. And I'm using me as the example, as the white man in the room. And, you know, they had more privilege. Sorry to interrupt you. You were saying, hey, the the Yeah, it's
2: okay. It's okay. Well, I think you get fired up about this and curious about this, which is great. Think about acknowledging your own privilege. And so it's very freeing. I think, say, I did have privilege. It doesn't have to be just your skin color, your gender. There's other wrinkles of it. Your socioeconomic status, having access to resources as a kid, good parents, for example. I used to say, you know, I grew up poor and I worked really hard for everything I got. And then you compare notes with people, especially people of color and like, Mm -hmm. oh, wait a second. Maybe my experience was different than yours. And maybe I didn't have enough information to really identify that way. So I think for listeners, really understand your source as a privilege. Now, the good news to this is, and I like to flip the P word as a positive, having privilege is a chance to be an ally. The more privilege you have, the more access to resources, education, the more voice share you have, The more likely people are going to listen to you more so than somebody that's marginalized. And we're seeing this today. If you have somebody that is perceived to benefit from the conversation happening, someone in the people of color community, a woman talking about women's rights like, well, of course she cares about this. She's going to benefit. But somebody that has privilege that may not benefit directly from having that conversation and stepping in and being an ally and helping somebody, whoa, people take note like, wow, he showed up. And that models for other people how they can leverage their privilege to help too. And maybe I can be a part of this conversation. So I think by modeling, you show other white men that it's okay to also engage in this conversation. No one's going to hurt you. No one's going to shame you. I promise you I think if you get nervous, much like you've said today is, whoa,
1: okay. I'm terrified.
2: Uh, yeah, I guess I'm scared. I'm scared of saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. I don't want to offend you. Even just saying that, I don't know if I'm getting this right, but here's what I'm thinking. Correct me. You know, in prefacing your words that way, most people will be very gentle and kind with how they give you feedback to that. So there's some vulnerability. And this is something that we don't necessarily teach white men how to be vulnerable and empathetic in the things that... That's why women are like moths to the flame with this conversation, because we are socialized from the get-go growing up to do these things. So some of it's undoing even how we socialize roles in our society. So all these systems, it's so
1: complicated. It is very complicated, and it can be very uncomfortable. The good news is this is a marketing podcast. And now that we're 15 minutes in talking about all the uncomfortable things around diversity, inclusion, and who has privilege and who doesn't. The point of doing this podcast is talking about sharing the right message. And so as someone who grew up with privilege, I'm white, I'm male, I run a company. But I also run a marketing company. And I want to talk to the marketers here because this is important for how we can spread the message in an effective way. You know, it's obviously a hot topic with the Black Lives Matter protests. Gender pronouns are a thing that we have to clarify now. There's a lot going on in terms of diversity and inclusion How do we spread the message about the appropriate ways to act and the right things to do that get the message across?
2: I think really being careful that the conversation isn't just a one and done, check the box. Because you know, marketers, what it feels like to communicate a corporate statement or have some sort of advertisement that isn't consistent with what you've done in the past.
1: We did the Women in MarTech Week. I can go back to interviewing all white men now, right? <laughs> it right. uh, doesn't work that way.
2: Yeah, yeah. you can't just plan it. I'm going to be inclusive this week or this day and this ad. It really needs to be an intentional series of events. So first and foremost, make sure it's a long game. We cannot undo centuries of inequality with swift acts of advertisement and corporate statements. So there has to be intention long term. You can see this with Nike. You can see this with organizations that have stepped into this conversation. People are like, oh, yeah, of course. Now, other ones that are doing programs, you're like, what? Like, it's kind of this knee jerk. So make sure you're not getting that squirmy response. If it feels unnatural, everyone's going to know it's unnatural.
1: When the Black Lives Matter protests broke out, and for the record, I wholly support the Black Lives Matter protest. Black Lives Very Much Matter When the protest broke out, I think five or six people asked me how I'm going to address the Black Lives Matter protest on the MarTech podcast. And my first reaction was, there's not anything good that comes out of me addressing it now, because I'm just going to say something wrong and someone's going to get upset. What I need to do is integrate more Black marketers into the show on an ongoing basis and listen to the message and have more diversity in general And that provides great role models, a platform to speak. That's how I thought about taking what was happening and integrating it into my work, because I don't think people come to the MarTech podcast to hear about social issues. They're here to hear about marketing. And in the workforce, diversity and inclusion really matters, which is why you as an invited guest are on the show. And honestly, it is not because you're a woman. It's not because you're white. It's not because you're black. It's not because you're rich. It's not because you're poor. It's because you have expertise in something to say.
2: I would say too, though, adding to that, that I do think people expect you to bring your full human self into your work. I had a similar challenge after George Floyd. You know, I do diversity and inclusion work. And I said, well, it's not appropriate for me to talk about it as a white person. I would rather amplify the voices of African-Americans. And I had an African-American friend call me out and say, you're wrong. We need to hear your voice. And we want to hear your voice, but you need to show up intentionally about it. I thought, okay, noted. And I shared just a few things on social media, not to promote my business, but just to share ideas. And the response, because I consistently showed up on it. So for you, consistently bringing guests, bringing in advertisers that are different, right? Is part of your message. So I think whatever you choose to do, being consistent, and how you can leverage your voice to amplify the voices of
1: others. So advise me here, you know, part of the workflow for us to find our guest, which is our product, right? Our content is their inbound requests. They are people that are reaching out to us saying, I want to be a speaker on your podcast. That's how we were connected. And a lot of the times what we're looking at is social syndication. We're looking at the topics that they cover. Are they right for their audience? Do they have reach? Are we going to be able to create a good piece of content? Does it help the business? Does it help the brand? The people that are reaching out to me are predominantly white males when they have PR agents because they're executives. Now, I can't make black CEOs or black CMOs. A, I can't make them. B, I can't make them come on the show. Walk me through how I should be finding more women, more diverse ethnicities in terms of our speakers without sacrificing business results.
2: Well, I think that that's the challenge because it's kind of a chicken and egg problem. If people don't see themselves reflected in the guests, they're not likely to apply to be guests. And this happens in corporate America a lot. If you don't see people of color as a person of color, you're unlikely to apply. So that's why people like you, why corporate America has to be really intentional with going to different places than you have in the past. It's like fishing. You don't go at the same pond and find different fish, find the same fish. So if you're going to the same places to find guests, you will find the same guests. So really intentionally diversifying where you spend time. One shortcut to that, there's no magic bullet for this, but a shortcut is ask folks you know that have diverse backgrounds and experiences, who else should I be talking to? You can easily springboard from there. That's what I did when I looked at my network and it was very white woman heavy. I asked my friend Erica, she's been on my podcast. We talked candidly about this. I want to be better. Who do I need to know? She gave me five names. Those five people told me other people. You know, now when I show up at events, I'm privileged, honestly, to say that it's not just white women that I'm talking to like I did before, but that didn't happen with me doing the same thing, expecting different results. I had to do something different to get different results.
1: The last question I have for you, and this is more of a statement that I want your reaction from, my big fear is tokenizing the people with diverse backgrounds who are on my podcast, right? Like my friend Niahani is black. We work together at eBay. He's been a speaker on the show, and I feel like if I take him and make him one of our featured guests and put his picture on the home page. A, he's a great speaker and he deserves to be there. He doesn't have the largest following, the largest reach. But if I put Ni's picture, it looks like I am putting his picture on the homepage because of his ethnicity. And to me, that feels shallow and hollow. Nee, if you're listening to this, I love you. You're a wonderful marketer. Thank you for being our guest. I just don't want to put the token black eye on the, hey, here's our featured guest to have it look like the United Nations when the highest profile guests are old white guys.
2: Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> because that's the kind of thing that people grim is like, oh, that's tokenism, right? It's stock photos, very much the same thing are really easy to see on websites, candid images, real images, real representation. And I think where you are now is where you are. That's the starting point. So really thinking about deepening your networks and how you could spend time in areas with people that are different than you. Networking groups, online groups, connecting with people on LinkedIn, asking him you know, who else you should be talking to on your podcast, easy tactical ways that start to like multiply over time. So I'd say if you want to be an ally, if you want to commit to this and diversify your network, you can't just do this in a couple months. Like this is something that takes a six month year-long, really life's work kind of commitment. And this is why people are wired for instant gratification when to flip a switch and get it. I'm telling you, there is no switch. But if you intentionally commit to it over time, you're much more likely to get those results. So yeah, don't do the knee-jerk stuff. Do the stuff that's hard, but start with tactics that work and build from there.
1: The knee jerk stuff, not being related to Nia Hani, our guest speaker, you mean don't make quick reactions.
2: Physical part of your body, knee.
1: (laughs) Knee. I'm going to have to buy you a beer after this episode. Sorry to tokenize you, buddy. Julie, I think we're off to a great start. We want to do a better job of diversity and inclusion on this podcast, starting off with bringing you back to be our guest again tomorrow when we're going to talk about the business results of diversity and inclusion. So that wraps up this episode of the MarTech Podcast. Thanks to Julie Kratz, inclusive leadership trainer at Next Pivot Point, for joining us. In part two of our interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, we're going to talk about why diversity and inclusion matter to your audience. If you can't wait until our next episode and you'd like to learn more about Julie, you can click on the link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can contact her on Twitter. Her handle is Next Pivot Point, or you could visit her company's website, which is nextpivotpoint.com. Just one more link in our show notes I'd like to tell you about.